Okay, good evening. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. And um, I trust that uh, the Lord will bless us. And as always, I count a privilege and a challenge to preach to my fellow believers. The thing is, when you, when you preach, you, um, you get to the point where you think, oh, I'm, I'm encouraging my brethren to do this. Am I doing it myself? So it's, it's, it's quite a challenge. Now, I trust that tonight it's no different. I trust you'll thus be blessed. I'm preaching to myself as well. But I trust you'll be blessed by the readings of God's word. Now, last week, we looked at the, what's called the Lord's Prayer, the second Lord's Prayer by some commentators in, uh, um, in John chapter 17, where Jesus was praying to his father for his disciples just before he was going to go out into the Garden of Gethsemane, where Judas was about to betray him. So chapter 17 records Jesus lifting up his eyes to heaven and praying to his Father. And Jesus prays to God that he preserves the disciples. And then he prays to God for those who believe in, in, uh, in their word, uh, other believers, so in one of the times of his greatest stress, Jesus play, prayed for his disciples and then, and them which shall believe on me through their word, he says. Well, that's us. That's you and me. So we're looking at John chapter 17. Last week we covered three aspects of the Lord's Prayer and discovered some high and holy privileges that belong to those who love God. Now these privileges are profound but carried with them some responsibilities for the Christian and we found those in uh, John chapter 17 verses 6 to 10 and uh, the thoughts there were quite simple but probably the most profound in the Bible because they reveal high and holy privileges belonging to his loved ones. So we covered last week um, three of those and today we're going to cover four more and then we'll finish. Uh, what we need to see through this is the responsibilities that are ours as a consequence of these uh, wonderful privileges. The three we covered last week uh, relate to our responsibility um, to those to whom his name has been revealed. And as Christians, we have his name revealed to us, God's character. And our responsibility was to follow the example of the uh, apostles and walk in the light. The second responsibility was to us as the custodians of his word of truth. And we saw last week that truth in this world is a very rare commodity. And our responsibility, of course, was to share it. Then thirdly, we have a privilege in that Christ is glorified uh, in, in our, through our Christian lives as we obey him. And our responsibility is, in fact, to refer to him as one who is renowned, as one who is famous, as, as one who is illustrious. Now, we don't want to look at these responsibilities as difficulties. We want to get to a point where these responsibilities are a pleasure and, and we're eager to fulfil them. You know, sometimes we have something that's going to happen that we're going to do and we're very eager to get on with that and, and, to, and to get the result of that. This is how we want to be with the Lord. Now, after all, it is God's will that we be happy. It's not God's will that we would be sad 
and, and, and uh, downcast in his Christian life. He's, his, his will is that we would be happy. And of course, we have many verses about this. For example, uh, John, uh, 1 John 5 says that his commandments are not grievous. He doesn't put things on us that are just going to bring us down, that we're not going to be able to get out of them. Uh, and the Bible tells us in, in Timothy 6.17 that the living God gives unto us richly all things for us to enjoy. Now, I came across another interesting verse in Ecclesiastes on this, on this very thing. So there's a little bit of a side issue before I start the message. I thought it was, was, uh, was quite, quite interesting, and let me share it with you. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 10, we have uh, King Solomon writing, and he says, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. So here is Solomon saying, there is travail for man. I can, un- I can understand the problems that we need to face. And then he goes on and explains that in 11 and 12. And then in verse 13, Solomon says, And also to every, also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labour. It is the gift of God. Now, these two verses, there's a, there's a paradox. There's a contradic- these are contradictory statements. You know, King, King Solomon is saying, well, um, there is a real problem for man. However... Um, you know, God will give you some enjoyment. It's the gift of God. Now, what King Solomon is actually saying, according um, to some uh, commentators, is that the decision to break with anxiety and travail, which is the lot of every person on this earth, the, the decision to break with that is not a decision that we are free to make. Often we think we are free to make that and especially sometimes we think oh if I had some more money I'd be happy if if this happened I'd be happy we think it's we think it's up to us but in fact it is not in man's ability to do it he may will it but he can't perform it as Romans chapter 7 tells us but in verse 13 uh, Solomon says the ability to enjoy the things that are presented and to have a joyful heart is also the gift of God. The ability to enjoy is a gift of God. So here is God clearly saying in Ecclesiastes, I want you to be happy and I'm going to make it happen. What a blessing. So let's, let's try and look at these responsibilities that we will cover today as not as difficulties, but as divine opportunities and pleasures that we would be eager to fulfil. After all, it is God's will that we be happy. So the next four privileges are found in uh, John chapter 14 to 24. So let's read, uh, let's read those verses. John chapter 17, verse 14 to 24. Let's be upstanding in, uh, reference, in reverence for God's word. And I'll just read that through. John chapter 17, 14 to 24. I have given them thy word, Jesus speaking, and, and the world hath, hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. 
Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also sent them into, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on, the, on me through their word. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may know, may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. And that they may know, even as we, even, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, that thou that thou hast sent me and hast loved me, as thou, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me. Be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou knowest me before, before the foundation of the world. Now let's pray and ask the Lord to, to bless our, um, our time. Father God, we do thank you for such wonderful verses. And Lord, I pray for your grace and mercy this evening. Lord, that you would speak to us. Father, that you would show us your wonderful truth and that, Lord God, we might be able to uh, react appropriately. Father, we pray for your undertaking, Lord Jesus. In, uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, you might have noticed a, few, a couple of things uh, overlap with Brother Josh's, Josh's message this morning. And I thought, Brother, you were, gonna, you were gonna preach two of my points. But Look, we could say it's a coincidence, but maybe the Lord is saying we need to, we need to uh, focus on some of these things. So let's look at the fourth privilege. Remember, we did, we did three last week, now we're looking at the fourth. So the fourth privilege is as separated ones. John chapter 17, verse 14 to 19. So I have given them thy word, and the word hath. Uh, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now the world will find us unpalatable. That that's inevitable. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. That mean, means from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, says Jesus. And he says, keep them from the evil one, in verse 17. So if you think about being kept from the evil one, what's the result of being kept from the evil one? Well, we, we see that in many sections of the Bible. James 1.27 tells us that... Um, we can be unspotted from the sins of the world by, by obeying Christ. So if we're not kept from the evil one, if we're not separated, we would be spotted by the sins of the world. 
Second Peter 1 4 says, we wouldn't escape the corruption that's in the world. Imagine there's some gr- exceeding great and precious promises and we would be partakers of the divine nature. But if we weren't kept from the evil one, we wouldn't escape these things. We, would, we, would, we wouldn't get these precious promises. We, we wouldn't be partakers of the divine nature. That's, our, that, that, that's a privilege. It doesn't mean that we're sinless, but we wouldn't be stained like some. So, for example, some people are known to be liars. Some people are known to be cheats. Some people are known to be takers of advantage of other people. Some people are known to be womanizers. Some people are known to be ruthless, etc. So these things would be an identifier of us if we didn't escape the corruption of the world. And then we would be completely useless as witnesses, wouldn't we? If we, had, if, if we hadn't escaped the corruption of the world, we'd be completely useless as witnesses and we'd miss out on the privilege of witnessing. So this separation is very important. In, and in such a privilege, the Lord further adds in verse 19, chapter 17, verse 19, 19 he says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might also be sanctified through the truth. So the Lord set himself apart Uh, for our salvation and and thus expects us to set ourselves apart for his service in the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. One commentator states that the Greek word for sanctify, where Jesus says, uh, And for their sakes I sanctify myself. Uh, He says that that means not only to make holy, but to dedicate what is already holy. And of course, in Christ's case, it's clear that this is the sense. Um, But the sense of the verb is the same in verse 17, where it's talking about us. Because we're already holy because we've been saved. So now we're to be set apart for God's service. So we, we need to dedicate our body to the Lord, but our body is already holy. So it is for their sake. So Jesus dies for the disciples and for us to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus says that they might also be sanctified through the truth. Now his sanctification is purposeful, isn't it? He dies with a view to the disciples and us being sanctified, being set apart for God. So this is a great privilege again. The Lord Jesus firstly dies for us so that we can go to heaven and secondly, he dies for us so that we could be set apart for God's service. Is it not our great privilege to be unspotted from the world? Is it not our great privilege to have escaped the corruption of the world? Just think of where we might be had we not escaped the corruption of the world. Just think of where we might be. Who here wants to carry the spots that come with the sins of the world? I don't want to carry them. I'm sure you don't either. Who wants to be embroiled in the corruption of the world? We all want to be a good witness for the Lord, correct? We want to to be there. 
We all want to share the glorious gospel with someone and have them see the truth and repent of their sins and trust Christ. Who's not, who's not aiming for that? Who doesn't, who doesn't dream of that sometimes? If only this person would, would hear me. If only this person would just give me 10 minutes. We all want to do that. We all want that privilege. Yeah, we do, don't we? So if we are spotted and corrupted by the world, we would be completely useless. There would be no opportunity to do that. No opportunity. And we would miss out on this privilege. So our great privilege as separated ones, that is our privilege as separated ones, but we have a responsibility. And surely the responsibility must be, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, ye are not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body as these sanctified and separated people. So that's the first, that's the first responsibility as a result of, of that privilege of being separated ones. So secondly, or fifthly, another great privilege we have is as the sent ones. John 17, 18 says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also send them into the world. It's very interesting. The Greek word for sent in this sentence is apostolo. So we could read this as Jesus saying, I have apostled them into the world. How about that? We're, we're, whenever we, 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 we do something for the Lord, it's like, it's like being an apostle. It's like behaving like an apostle. And this commission was repeated after he rose from the dead in John 20, 21. Then said Jesus unto them, Peace uh, be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Even so I apostle you into the world. For what purpose did, Jesus, did the Father send Jesus? Briefly, it's for this. John 6, 38, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. 2021, My Father, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Now this is unto us, not to do our own will, but the will of him that sent us. Quite a sobering thought, isn't it? How many of us are geared to do our own will? And then we have the audacity to ask God for his blessing, for his protection and our prosperity. We think sometimes if we could just see behind the veil, if we could just see the true state of everything, but that would be walking by sight and we walk by faith. But the main meaning here is to send out properly on a mission as an apostle, so send I you, as Jesus said, on a mission as an apostle. That's our privilege. And we have many examples in business of this scenario, being a sent one. So, for example, Brother Tim went out on a mission last week for his employer. His employer is a flooring company, um, Choices Flooring. And they, these people have set up a business to sell flooring to the general public. But they haven't just opened up one shop. What they've done is they've offered opportunities to individuals 
to set up a retail outlet, to set up a shop with their name on it and sell the flooring and the main company choices uh, lets them keep the profit but out of the profit indirectly um, choices gets a fee from from the sale of every piece of flooring. And with this fee the main company pays for its offices, pays for its employees, pays Tim's salary (laughs) and for Tim's airfares when he travels. Now the problem is that sometimes these individuals who have set up a, sh- a retail shop, sometimes they get into trouble. So, uh, you know, sales might be down and that, there could be many reasons for that. Maybe the shop owner's not working hard enough. Maybe the shop owner's attitude is wrong. Could be things like COVID have, uh, have reduced some sales. There could be many reasons. But anyway, the upshot is that the owner becomes discouraged. So, Tim is a sent-out one. He's sent out by the main company as an apostle, a flooring apostle, if you might say. It's a, legi- a legitimate job. Now, whose will is Tim commissioned to fulfil? Is he commissioned to fulfil his own will? No, he's not commissioned to fulfil his own will. Let, let's say that, that uh, when Tim goes out and is supposed to um, help this, uh, this little shop, he thinks to himself, oh, I could get a benefit here. And he has a chat to the shop owner and says, look, you know, if you do this, give me some cheap flooring. I've got a large house. I need, I need some cheap flooring. I don't want to pay, I want to pay trade price. And I don't know what the situation is, but let's say, let's say there's a chance of getting a, uh, a benefit. So, so um, you know, uh, Tim then says, well, you know, I'll, I'll get a benefit out of this. Whose will is that? It's Tim's will, isn't it? So, of course not. He, he, he won't do that. His job is to do the will of choices flooring. So, his job is to encourage that shop owner who is struggling, he's to encourage him uh, to, um, uh, with, with gently, with logic, with reason, to have a change of mind. It's a bit like us when we are sent out by God, isn't it? Our job is to encourage an unsaved person gently with logic and with reason to have a change of mind and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour. Now, we might be sent by God to encourage a brother or a sister also. Maybe we don't get along with them, but God says, I want you to encourage that brother or sister. Now, our natural will, our natural will, remember we're the old man, our natural will is to withhold the blessing. So whose will? If we withhold the blessing, whose will are we trying to fulfill? We're trying to fulfill our will. We were sent by God to fulfill his will and here we are trying to fulfill our will. Now, Tim, when you go out uh, as a flooring apostle, does Choices Flooring support you? Can they step in and help if needed? Yeah, they can. Well, what a valuable privilege it is to be a sent one. The one that that, that sent you is there to support you all the way. 
God is there. The Holy Spirit is there to support us all the way. So with this wonderful privilege of being a sent one, our great responsibility is to do the will of the sending one. That's the best way to praise the one that sends us to do his will. And in our case, it's the Lord of glory. So what a privilege it is to be a sent one. So herein lies our God-given privilege and our God-given responsibility. So surely our motto should be, thy will be done, not mine. So number six, the sixth privilege and responsibility as brethren. And this comes from John 17, chapter 20 to 23. Let's, let's read that one, John 17, 20. Now Christ prayed, For them which also shall believe on me through their word. Verse 22, That they may be as one as the Father and the Son are. And verse 23, That they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. Now we know in Galatians 3.23 it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond or free, there is neither male or female, for ye are all one in Christ. This is extremely profound, because the verse here says, As the Father and the Son are one. How close is their bond? Just think about that. How close is their bond How close should ours be with one another? He says we should be one as the Father and the Son are one. My goodness, I can't even think about that. It's profound. Can we really say in our hearts, like this brother, but that one I'm not so sure about. No, I don't like that one so much. In one of the pastoral epistles, Paul tells the young pastor Timothy, He says, I charge thee before God that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing nothing by partiality. So surely this, this verse applies to us also. Now I know we get along better with some people than others. And of course, from my example, I get on, I'm much more comfortable in the company of my wife than I am with, with any one of you. That's, that's normal. But to be one with you, my saved brethren, to be one with you, surely when I interact with you, I must have at least uh, your best interests at heart, shouldn't I? And you should have my best interests in heart, at heart when you interact with me. We must want the best godly outcome for each other. That means there's no place for petty revenges, is there? There's no place for hoping another Christian looks bad if they make a mistake. Our heart attitude should be for the genuine best interest of another Christian. And this is the hardest thing to do when we have something against someone else. When we, when we, when the wrong is, whether the wrong is perceived or real, it matters not. Because didn't Jesus say, love your enemies? Here Jesus is saying that they may be one as the Father and the Son are one. 
So how should we react to our brethren who are saved, who are redeemed, who are in the process of, of being perfected? How, sh- how should we react? How should we behave? What is our responsibility with this wonderful privilege of having brethren in the Lord? Every time we are hurt or we perceive we are hurt, because of course sometimes we misread things, we should look into the word regarding our attitude. We should allow God to speak to us through his word. So for example, Ephesians 4.3 says to us Christians, endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So our responsibility is to keep our hearts to keep peace in our hearts, one with another. Our wonderful privilege as brethren carries with it quite a, quite a hefty responsibility that we, we are to keep the peace one with another. So number seven, we have also privileges and responsibilities as his eternal companions. And this is the last one we'll do this morning, this evening. So that comes from John 17, 24. Jesus prays. He says, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, and that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world, that they be with me where I am. What grace is this? What undeserved favour is this? Jesus' final petition is for them to be with him. And when he says, I will, it's like I desire. It's, it's a verb that expresses the action of the will. It is the will of Jesus that the disciples be with Jesus in the next world rather than this. Something he mentioned earlier in uh, John 14.3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, the where I am. There you may be also. And of course, this extends to us as well, as well as the disciples. He wants the disciples to be where I am, as he said. And he has already said, I'm no more of the world. So Jesus looks for them to be with him so that they may see the glory the Father has given him. Again, such a privilege, such sinful people as us to be elevated to the statehood of divine heavenly beings, to be, to be, to be free of, of, of the body. And the elder saints here can see the benefit of being free from, from this body. You know, think, think, think of a worm burrowing through the, through the soil. It's blind. It's aimlessly burrowing. Um, it only knows it must feed itself. So think of this worm and elevate this worm to the position of humanity, all of a sudden the worm can, can see, can see the sky, can see the trees. All of a sudden the, the worm can, can think, can exercise its will, can exercise love, can appreciate. So, you know, our elevation is many, many more times greater than elevating a worm to, to, to humanhood. So let's, let's not uh, underest, underestimate this elevation as we read it in the Bible. 
It is offered by the one and only Creator. As he says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What an elevation that's going to be one day. Indeed, what grace is this? And, and Jesus extends this thought in John 12, 26. He says, Where I am, there shall my servant be, there shall also my servant be. So here we have servants sharing their master's honour. What creatures of dishonour, like the worm, are we that we could share our master's honour? Many, many more times multiplied is, the worm's ele- is our elevation than the worm's elevation. And then First Thessalonians says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we can have this grace now because by faith we are his companions now. The Bible tells us in John 15, I have called you my friends. That, that, that's again, it's a profound statement because as we know in this world, um, there are many people who don't have friends. Sure, there's a lot of acquaintances and uh, people can talk about sport and politics and things like that, but, but not many have friends, companions of, of similar outlook and aspirations. But every Christian has a true friend and companion in Christ. What grace is this? Surely our responsibility in this regard with this wonderful privilege is, is to let nothing mar our friendship with our Lord. This is to be forever and ever. What a wonderful, wonderful um, uh, privilege. But the relationship is, our responsibility for that relationship is, is, is quite profound. So that ends my seventh point. So in summary, we have privileges and responsibilities, firstly, as separated ones. We become unspotted from the world. We escape the corruption of the world as separated ones. And of course, our responsibility is we are not our own. Therefore, glorify God in our body as sanctified and separated beings. Then we have a privilege and a responsibility as sent ones. And what a valuable privilege it is to be a sent one. Even in business, it's good to be a sent one. The company pays for lots of things. And, uh, you know, it's exciting to go overseas, for example. But as a Christian, to be a sent one is far greater. And the responsibility there is to do the will of the one who sent us. And then we have the privilege and responsibility as brethren. As brethren, as a family that we could that we could depend upon, as a family that we could go to and discuss the problems of life, we have this privilege. The Bible tells us that they may be perfect in one, and of course, there's a big result of that. The world may know that Thou hast sent me. Imagine being a witness for God in such a way. Imagine as people came in through that door. And after a little while, they saw the unity, they saw the love. They would have to say, look, this is supernatural. People can't do this on their own. And our responsibility there is, of course, to keep the unity of 
is endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We need peace in our hearts, one with another. We need to work on this. And then uh, the final one, our privilege and responsibility as his eternal companions. What a privilege. He says, I would have them to be with me where I am. The God of glory. Us worms elevated to divine beings. Our responsibility not to let anything mar our friendship with him, which is, of course, forever and forever. So we have some, some uh, wonderful privileges and we benefit from them every day as Christians. Are we picking up our responsibilities? That's the question. So let's, uh, let's end our, our, uh, our service now with a, with a hymn. Uh, if you would turn in your hymn book,